stop by the store and get a, get a uh, card or make one. Just take a kid's piece of paper out of there and there's some friends in the back room and we can, we'll set you up. <laughs> but anyway, it's good to be here today. The mama test. I was out walking with my four-year-old daughter. She picked up something off the ground and started to put it in her mouth. I took the item away from her and asked her not to do that. Why, my daughter asked. Because it's been on the ground and you don't know where it's been. It's dirty and probably has germs, I replied. At this point, my daughter looked at me with total admiration and asked, Mama, how do you know all this stuff? You are so smart. I was thinking quickly. All moms know this stuff. It's on the mama test. You have to know it or they don't let you be a mom. We walked along in silence for two to three minutes, but she evidently was pondering the new, this new information. Oh, I get it, she beamed. So if you don't pass the test, you have to be the dad. Exactly, I replied. I replied back with a big smile on my face. <laughs> I tell you, some of the women are sharp, aren't they? <laughs> well, the only thing, it seems like uh, if we had to have a test before we became mothers, I don't think any of us would pass because being a mother is a, is a test all in itself. I don't think it'll do any good hanging clear down there. What? <laughs> Usually they say something about that. Anyway, if there'd been a test, I know we all probably would have flunked. You know, we were. Isn't it amazing? You know, when you're uh, growing up and you get to babysit for somebody that has a little baby. Oh, it's so exciting to have that little baby, and you get to watch him and you get to hold him and think, oh, it'd be so cool to have a little baby. Oh, we thought, man, this is great. This is the thing. This is what I want to do. Then you have your own kids. You think, man. I didn't know this was so much work. <laughs> Is that right? You know, we see kids when we're babysitting just certain times of the day, and sometimes they're usually well-behaved, or, or we get to feed them a little bit, and they put them to bed. But as a mom, hey, it doesn't end when they go to bed. And they don't always sleep through the night, so it's kind of an experience and a challenge. But God gives us on-the-job training. I'm thankful for that. So I didn't always make the right decisions, and I know your moms didn't either, but they did the best that they could. Now, the only blessing is if your mom was a Christian. Because if your mom was a Christian, they had extra help. I didn't have any extra help when I raised my kids. I wished I would have. But I'm thankful for his grace that they turned out as well as they did in spite of me. Because when you get older, prayer still works. And I'm thankful for that because we can still pray for our kids. And if you're not praying for your kids, shame on you. We need to pray for our kids. Because as long as we're praying for them, there's hope. And I want to have, make sure that my kids are covered with a canopy of prayer because they need that protection because the devil would like nothing more than to destroy our kids. And if we're not praying for them, we're just letting that door open so they can do that. But being a mom is the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life. I've had a lot of challenges in my life. I've done a lot of, had a, different, a lot of different jobs. And I remember one time when I had this one job, I worked in the aerospace industry. And I worked in quality, and I had to go the next morning. They told me, tomorrow you're going to go up and check the vectoring system for this missile, the guidance system of this missile. And, man, I'm, I'm sweating. I thought, how in the world am I going to do this? You know, how am I going to do this? And I had all these visualizations. They're going to push the button, and things are going to blow up, and all these kind of things. So I was worried and worried and worried how I was going to do this, because I'd never even seen one before. How am I going to 
verify that it's okay. And so I fretted and I prayed and I fretted and I prayed. But man, this is a million, you know, five to five or six million dollar missile that, <laughs> you know, that I have to sign off on. So anyway, I went there and when I got there, they showed this piece of the schematic and, and I thought, wow, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. So first, all right. But sometimes we, we overemphasize things, we worry about things. And that was a challenging job for me. But being a mother has been more challenging than anything I've ever done. Because everything we do and everything we say, our kids are watching and listening to us, aren't they? And we are the one of the first things that our kids see. Well, it is the first thing that our kids see, really, outside the doctor. And they're not friends with him because he's a cat him on the butt. They didn't have to pat me on the butt. I can out scream it. They haven't shut up since. <laughs> She's going to be a freak. No, they didn't even really say that. But being a mom's very most challenging and most keeps you on your knees. I'll tell you, even when I wasn't a Christian, I prayed, oh God, have mercy on me. <laughs> when your kids come home late or all the things that's going on, it's very challenging to be a mom. But on the same, same token, it's the most rewarding experience you can have in your life. When you have your first first child and, and you get to see it for the first time, man, there's just, they're just something there that words can't express. Of course, all the mothers know that and fathers know that too, that it's just an exciting, overwhelming experience be a mom or even to be a, be a dad. It's an exciting time. But taking care of your mom is, one, is very important to God. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. I want to talk about ways that we can love our mom. And that's found, and we're going to be in John 19. If you want to turn there, we're just going to read a couple verses this morning. We're not going to be jumping around a lot of scriptures like I usually do because we'll get the gist of it from those verses in John chapter 19. Taking care of our mom is very important to God. And we're going to see how important it was this morning because it was a high priority for Christ when he was here in his final hours. In John chapter 19, verse 26, it says, Standing close to Jesus' cross were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clephas, and Mary Magdalene. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there. So he said to his mother, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, she is your mother. From that time, the disciple took her to live in his home. Now we kind of maybe just read over those verses and say, well, big deal. What's the big deal? Okay, how nice of him to do that. But we've got to realize that Jesus, here's Jesus. He's suffering for the sins of the world. He has the weight of the world and the sins of the world on his shoulders. And he's there and he's dying and he's in agony, more pain than we can possibly imagine that he could possibly be in. And he looks down and he sees his mother. And he wants to make sure that his mother is taken care of. Because as the firstborn son, of course, uh, Joseph, they believe, was dead at this time. I don't know how long. It doesn't say how he died or when he died. But everybody believes that he was dead at this point in time. And that Jesus, as the eldest son, was his responsibility to take care of his mother. And uh, I think that if we carried on that tradition, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? If, if the kids would take care of their parents. Sometimes we, we forget about our parents and we lock them up and we never visit them or never do anything for them. And we just try to forget about them. But Jesus, in the moment of his extreme agony, in the moment that he was going to be dying for our, our sins, he looked and he made sure that his mother was taken care of. And from that we realize how important taking care of our mother is. Because if God took out took that part of his life, the very end of his life, to take care of his mom, it's got to be important to us. And he entrusted her to the disciple that he loved. 
and he entrusted her to someone that he knew would take care of her. Now, though, I don't know whether there's any other disciples at the cross. I don't, doesn't seem like there was because John is the only one that was mentioned and it just says the one that Jesus loved. Of course, we know that that was John because he didn't want to distract from the story of Christ by putting his name in there. But he loved John and he knew that John could take care of his mom. And he told his mom, from now on, this is your son. He'll take care of you. And John, this is your mother. Take care of her. And from that moment on, John took her into her, his own home and loved her just like he was his own mother. Now, man, that'd been an honor. Wouldn't it have been an honor? Wouldn't you like to have been the one to be able to take care of Jesus' mom? Man, what an honor that would have been. And then we see G uh, Mary, Jesus' mom, sitting there, and her heart is breaking over this whole ordeal that's going on. Here she had the perfect son. Can you imagine parents having the perfect son that never did anything wrong, never said a bad word about anything, never did anything that anybody could say anything against, except for what the Pharisees did, trying to trip him up and things. But the perfect son, here he is. And here he is dying on a cross. For what? For something he didn't do. For something they accused him of that wasn't true. Of course, we know that he was dying for our sins. She didn't understand it at that moment. But I'm sure as he was dying there and hanging on the cross, and as she's watching him die on the cross, she remembered the words of Simeon when he came to her and said that an arrow would pierce your heart. Now, probably those words didn't mean anything to her until that moment when she saw her son dying on the cross. And I, I can't even imagine. You know, it's hard when you see your kids that are sick, if they're sick with something, and you can't do anything about it. And you know how, how it rips out your heart as a mother, even as a father, how hard that would be for you. And yet here's Jesus. He's in that moment, and his mother's there, and she's lost, and she doesn't know what's going to happen to her. I know she had other kids. I don't know. It doesn't mention them, what their status was or anything like that. I have no idea. All we know is that it was Jesus' responsibility to take care of his and that's what he did. And one of the last things he did was take care of his mom. And we see a lot from that because it tells us how important our mothers are supposed to be to us. We're supposed to take care of our, our mothers, not only our mothers, our parents in general. We're supposed to look out for them. I know the Bible says the parents are supposed to lay up for their children and not the children for their parents, but we are responsible to take care of it, take care of our parents. And Jesus exemplified this in this last moment that he was now, I want to talk about seven ways that we can love your mom or your wife, for that matter, or whatever. There's way, seven ways you can love her, love someone. The first one is to love her verbally. Now, men have a problem with this. I don't know why. Not all men do, but some men do. They keep saying, well, I told my wife I loved her. I told my mother I loved her. I oh, five years ago or ten years ago, we got married, and if anything's changed, I'll let her know. They think that that's adequate. Oh, I sure I love her. I go to work every day. Well, okay. But there's something about women. We need to hear, I love you. We need to hear the words. To men, it isn't a big deal, I guess. I don't know. It seems like it isn't. But it doesn't matter. I tell my husband I love him at least once a day. Last thing I tell my husband before I go to sleep is I love you. Because I want to make sure he knows it. And he wants to make sure I know it. Because it's important. It's an important thing for us to do as not only children because your mother needs to hear, I love you. It's something that we don't do enough. And if you're like, my mom's gone. My mom isn't here. She passed away in 04. And, excuse me, January of 05. My dad died in 04. And it's hard when your parents aren't here, 
aren't around because you wish you could say I love you. You wish you could call them on the phone and I miss talking to them on the phone and I miss the things that you used to do. You know, even though they live far away, I at least call my, my dad or my mom, one of them, at least once a week. And it's kind of hard. You, you get in that habit of doing things and, and you talk to them and it's hard when they're not there. And you wish, man, I wish they were here. I wish I'd have told them I love you so many times. But you don't. See, we have to love people verbally. We have to say the words. And if it's uncomfortable, man, to say I love you, then do it until it gets comfortable. Just keep practicing it until you can say it and, and it'll feel comfortable. Everything's uncomfortable until you get used to doing it. Every time you go to a new job and you start a new job and they have all these different procedures and things that you have to do, it's uncomfortable for the first while until you learn the system and you learn the procedures. And then after six months, hey, it's no big deal. You don't even think about it. Like driving a car. When you're learning how to drive a car, man, when you're first behind the wheel, man, you're, you're, you're observant of everything, your speed and the, the everything. You look in your mirror, mirror and you look in this mirror and you're all over doing all this stuff. Well, after a while, after 10 years of driving, you don't pay attention. You do this stuff just automatically without even thinking about it. That's the way it should be with saying I love you to your wife, to your mother, to your husbands. Because, ladies, I don't think we say it enough either. We are always on the men about saying I don't love you, you know, saying you don't say you love me enough. Well, do we? And sometimes we say I love you and say, yeah, me too. Don't say me too. Say I love you too. Say the words, I love you. And it becomes easier and easier to do. And every time you do, it just makes the person feel so much better. It makes them feel important and it builds them up. And we need it. Our kids need it. Our kids need to know how much we love them. And we need to do that. We need to do everything we can to make sure that our kids love us, Love, know that we love them. How many parents or kids are raised in this world today that they don't know their parents love them? And because they don't know, where do they go out and get infection? Affection, they go out and join gangs, and they do all these other kind of things trying to gain affection from someone. Well, if they get it at home, they won't have to go out there and get it. And we need to raise our kids to know that it's okay to say I love you, to show your feelings and to express your gratitude, express the things that, that they need to do. Because when they do, they turn out better. And then when they grow up, and if you have boys and you grow up, raise them this way, then their wives, their future wives are going to love you because, man, you raised a son that knows how to say I love you. Man, they're going to love you even more. And, man, well, we, nothing we like better than daughter-in-laws that really think we're night, didn't it? I got one daughter-in-law thinks it's right, sunrise and sets on me, and I love her to death. Look <laughs> at my baby's, my baby's wife. My other, my other daughter-in-law I like, too, and my other future ones. I've lucked out. God was very good to me as far as daughter-in-laws and that are considered because I did pretty good on that. A lot of them, you know, you don't have, you can't choose your relatives who your kids marry, so all you can do is leave it in God's hand and hope it works out all right. But we did really well. I got three daughters that are, that are great. I love them, and I got a son-in-law that I couldn't pick out better kids than my kids. You're picking them out, and that's why I'm really thankful. But I'm thankful especially because we weren't saved when, I mean, we weren't Christians when we raised our kids, they were older, and then we had to make up for all that lost time. <laughs> so we had to pray twice as much for a shorter period of time. So God was very generous to our boys and to our daughter to be able to bring someone into their life that is, that is good for them. Uh, dear Abby, I enlisted... Shortly after Pearl Harbor, 36 days later, I was on my way to the Philippines. En route, the Philippines fell to the Japanese, 
and went rooted to Australia. Eleven days after we landed, I met the most beautiful girl in the world. On our first date, I told her I was going to marry her. I did, 18 months later. While on a 10-day R&R leave from New Guinea, after more than 57 years of marriage and two children, my beloved Mary died five days before Christmas. Although we agreed that our ashes were to be scattered over the mountains, I found I could not part with her. While Mary was alive, she would frequently say, you don't know how much I love you. I'd reply, likewise. I never said I love you. Now her ashes are on my dresser, where I tell her several, several times a day how much I love her, but it's too late. Although I wrote poetry to her, I could not bring myself to say the three words I knew she wanted to hear most. As my dearest was dying and we thought she was comatose, I told her, there aren't enough words to tell you how much I love you. A few hours later, she whispered, not enough words, and died. The reason I'm writing is to urge men to express their feelings while their loved ones are alive. I don't know why, but many men are reluctant to express the depth of their feelings. Missing Mary in Colorado. And that's the one thing about it, because when someone's gone, all we live is with regrets. And if we live each day like this, maybe the last time we may see that person, or the last words that we may be able to say to our wife or to our mother or to our husbands or to our kids. We want to make sure that those words are words that aren't going to bring regret to us. Because there's nothing worse than losing someone and having things, oh, I wished I would have said this, or I wished I'd have done this, or I wished I would have. As Christians, we shouldn't be able to say that, I wished I would have. As Christians, we should be sensitive to the needs of our loved ones, sensitive to the needs of our parents, and even if they mess up with our own lives. So we need to love our moms verbally. The next thing we need to do is love her physically. When was the last time you gave your mom a hug or kissed her on the cheek? or just held her and just sat by her on the couch or something and held her hand or just talked to her? When was the last time you took her out to dinner and just talked to her or took her somewhere, took her shopping? I know sometimes it's uh, difficult to do because we are, have such busy lives, but we forget that this woman, our mother, is the one that first held us. Right after we were born, she was so anxious to hold us. And she caressed our little heads, held our little fingers, she was the first one that loved us. And it's the least that we can do is to hug her. You know, as a little kid, you used to follow your mom around. You used to hug her so tight that she could let go like this and you wouldn't fall because she could they hug you so tight. And then we got a little older, they'd hug you so tight. Remember, you used to hug her so tight she could hardly breathe. It was a contest to see who could give the biggest hug. You know, it'd be nice to give your mom a bear hug today because one day you won't be able to do that. And you wish that you had the opportunity. Oh, just one more hug. Just one more time. Just one more time. But if they're Christians, at least you get to look forward to seeing the glory. And that's what I have that the hope to look forward to because I know they're in heaven. I know that they're there, and I know I'm going to be able to give my mother a hug again and my dad a hug again, and I'm excited about that. But while they're here, let's remember them. Let's do the things that we need to do. Let's love them physically. Let's show them that we care. You know, they say that we should touch our kids at least three times a day because the kids aren't used to being touched. And when you touch, and I'm not saying beat them or hit them on the butt. I'm talking about you touch. You know, you say, oh, dear, you know how you do. You touch them when you touch them on the shoulder. You say, son, oh, what would you say, son? Or, or you know, 
wife or your husband something, you should touch your kids three times a day. Because if you do that, they're going to automatically be able to sense that love. And sometimes we have to go out of our way to do that. But if we don't touch them, and we don't show our love for them and go out of our way to be able to express our love to them, then someone else will. And we won't like the result. Because our kids need love. They need praise, and they need all the things that we need We need to give them as parents. And our wives need it too. You need to touch your wife's husband. You need to tell him how much you love him. You need to hug him. Because it's very important. Because we may not be able to say, well, it don't make that difference, but it does. We may not think anything of it doesn't make a big deal, but they've proven that kids that are touched at least three times a day turn out differently than the kids that don't. So we need to be conscious about that. Pat them on the head when they're little or hug them or whatever it is. But make sure you touch your kids at least three times a day. Then we need to love our, love our mothers and wives and husbands patiently. Now, I know this is a hard job sometimes because when your parents get older, it's hard, it's hard to get old. You know, it really is. And if you've had a parent that's gotten older and they've uh, had some health issues, it's hard sometimes. I know my mother, she got, as she got older, she got dementia. And it was really hard visiting her. She knew who I was, but every five minutes she had to recognize, oh, when did you get here? How long have you been here? How long are you going to be here? And then like every five minutes, it was the same conversation over and over and over and over and over again. And it's hard. It's hard sometimes. And then when you're gone, they don't even remember that you're there. It's really hard sometimes. But with those times, we got to remember what she did for us when we were kids. When we were sick, she stayed up with us all night. She took care of us when we were sick. And all these things that they did for us when we were little, we got to remember to do that, even though they don't know who we are. And some parents, they don't even know who you are when they get older. And I think that's the worst thing that can possibly happen to, to people is that. And it's, you know, very irritating to me. And I pray to God every day. And I think that we need to pray as Christians. Don't let that happen to me. Because sometimes we just grow up and expect these things to happen. And guess what? They do. So we need to pray, God, protect me from these things. I don't want to be a burden to my kids. I don't want to ever forget who my kids are. I want them to be able to come visit me and know, you know, that I know who they are. And those things. Because it's a hard, hard situation. But if those things happen, be patient with them. Love them patiently. Be patient with them. Just like they were with you when you were little. And you were try, they were trying to teach you math. And you didn't get it. And they kept going over and over and over and over and over again. Until you think, man, today in our generation, <laughs> what's the matter with you, you know? <laughs> but be patient with them. Love them patiently. Because that's the best way you can show love is to be patient with someone. Because when our parents get older, they get a little more feeble. They're not as strong as they used to be. And they need, to, they need someone to love them that's going to be patient with them. And our wives and our husbands, we need to be patient with each other. But we're not. We seem like we don't have any. We've got patience for everybody else, but not for our own family. If we treated our friends the way that we treat our family members, would we have any friends? If we just treated our mothers and our fathers and our wives and our husbands and our kids the way we treat our fans, friends, our families would be a lot better, wouldn't they? So we need to love our mother patiently. She rises up at break of day, and though her tasks, and through her tasks she races, she cooks the meals as best she may and scrubs the children's faces. While school books, lunch books, homework too, all need consideration, and yet the census man insists she has no occupation. When breakfast dishes all are done, she bakes a pudding maybe. She cleans the room up one by one with, un with one eye watching baby. 
The mending pile she's then attacks by way of variation, and yet the census man insists she has no occupation. She irons for a little while and presses pants for daddy. She welcomes with a cheery smile, returning laughs and laddie. A hearty dinner next she cooks, no time for relaxation, and yet the census man insists she has no occupation. One of the worst things you can say to a woman is, do you, do you work or do you just stay at home? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Usually people that say that, they're usually men. <laughs> or they're someone that doesn't have a family and all they do is just, you know, they're single. Because if they knew that you were home and you had a family, they know that you work harder at home than you ever did at a job. I remember I went to work when my, when my first kid was two weeks old. I started went back to work. And I'll tell you, it's rough trying to go to work and then come home and work. Because, see, you have two jobs. And it, the only ones that really understand this is single dads. How much time is invested that women put in? They say a oh, man's work from sun to sun, but a woman's work is never done. That's the reality of it, you know. By the time you got through to go to work with all the things you had to do, it was time to go to bed and start over again. But mostly women don't complain about it because they, they get such a joy out of being able to do for their families. And God made us this way. So, hey, I'm thankful for that. It'd be terrible if all the women did was just gripe about everything they did. I'd hate that. I'd hate for my mom to gripe, get up every morning and gripe about everything she had to do. I had to cook dinner for you today. I had to cook your lunch. I had to do this. I had to do that. That wouldn't have been fun, would it? Make you not want to have any kids. <laughs> but we need to be patient with our parents. We need to get patient with our loved ones. And don't, if they repeat themselves to us, just let them. You want to show your mom how much you love her? Do that. Just be patient with her. She wants to repeat the same story you've heard a thousand times. Then hear it a thousand and one times. And then act like you're interested, even though you may not be. Because that kind of love doesn't cost anything. And that's what we need in this economy is the way to show love without any, without spending a lot of money. There was a later letter from an 80-year-old woman on her birthday. To all, to all my children, I suppose my upcoming birth, birthday started my thoughts along these lines. This is a good time to tell you that what I truly want are things I never get enough of, yet they are free. I want the intangibles. I would like for you to come and sit with me and for you to be relaxed. We can talk or we can be silent. I would just like for us to be together. I need your patience when I don't hear what you say the first time. I know how tiresome it is to always be repeating, but sometimes I might must ask you to repeat. I need your patience when I think too much about the past with my slowness and my set ways. I want you to be tolerant of what the years have done to me physically. Please be understanding about my personal care habits. I spill things. I lose things. I get unruly, unduly excited when I try to figure out my bank statements. I can't remember what time to take my medication or if I took it at all. I took it already. I take too many naps. Sometimes sleep helps to pass the day. Well, there you have it. Time, patience, and understanding. Those are the priceless gifts that I want. Finally, in, this, in his letter, the Apostle Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ with strengthens me. I know I can too. It's a wonderful feeling to know his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he cares for me. I guess being old isn't so bad after all. Love, Mom. Patience, time, and understanding. That's how you spell love. You want to know how you love your kid? You spell it T-I-M-E, time. What's the best thing that a kid wants when his dad comes home from work? 
Dad, will you come and play ball with me? Dad, will you do this? Time. That's the way we show people that we love them and we're willing to spend time with them because the time seems to be the most valuable thing that we have. And it's something that we're compensated for on the job, but when we're home, we have to invest time in our family. If we want a family, we want kids that aren't out on drugs, if we want kids that aren't breaking the law, if we aren't kids, kids growing up to, to be citizens the way that we want them to be, we have to spend time with them. That's the only uh, protection that we have or the only insurance we have that uh, they're going to turn out right. That and prayer, of course, and God's uh, prayer. Next thing to do is love her attentively. A documentary interviewed men on death row for capital crimes. They interviewed the men and their mothers, too. Invariably, the moms would say, he's such a good boy. Interviewer, yes, but he slaughtered 37 with an axe. I know, but he has a good heart. <laughs> Isn't that what mothers are? Doesn't matter what our kids do. Doesn't matter how much, how many laws they break. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter if they've murdered somebody. Doesn't matter what they've done. Mom still loves them, and mom can, inside that can find something good to say about the kid. And that's why kids like to talk to their moms because they love them, and they know that they're in love of regardless of anything that's going on. And it's amazing to me. You know, you sit there, and I'm thankful that I've never been in that position. But you wonder, man, how can a mother love a kid like that? <laughs> but it's something that only God can give a mother. There's just a bond there between a mother and her baby that we just can't understand. We just have to accept it. And that's why the society we live in is so, un I can't understand it, how a mother could not love her child. How a mother could get, avoid her baby. How a mother could abuse her children. How a mother could leave her baby in a garbage bin or something like that. We can't understand that. But the Bible says that in the last days, that's the way things are going to be. But I'm thankful that as Christians, we're not like that. I'm thankful that we as Christians are the ones that's going to make a difference in these last days. And we as Christians are the only difference that this world's going to have. Because if we turn it over to the devil, things aren't going to be very pretty, as we can see in society today. So we need to love her attentively. Act like we're paying attention to what our mother says, or our wife says, or our husband says, or our kid says. Act like we're interested in their lives. Because if we're not, they're going to find somebody else that's going to be interested. They're going to find someone else that's going to listen to them. See, we like to talk to our moms when our little because we knew our mom would listen to us. And they wouldn't judge us when we're little. My son and dad still have calls and ask what mom thinks. And I'm thankful for that because he knows that I, I will tell, give him the right answer and I won't pump him pump sunshine and give him an answer he wants to hear. He tells people, hey, you want, you want the truth, you call my mom. She'll tell you the truth whether you like it or not. She'll tell you the truth whether it's you, me, or anybody else. It doesn't matter. But I'm thankful that he can call and feel comfortable in telling me about what's going on in his life. But if we don't build a relationship when they're home, we won't have it, well, then we're not going to have it when they're gone. If you have it, you know, you see these relationships on TV about the mother and their daughter and the father and their daughter and how nice they are. I think, man, I'd like to have a relationship like that. Well, generally, that's just fairy tales. Unless you build the relationship in your own home. If you spend the time with your kids, if you understand what's going on in their lives and you care what's going on in their lives, that's the biggest issue. You care what's going on. Because sometimes we're so wrapped in up our own lives that we don't care about what's happening around us. And as, as parents get older, they have a lot of fears and anxieties that we can't even think about because they don't know what's going to happen any more than we do. And they look at things differently. When you get to the end of your life, you think a little differently.
differently about situations. You don't think you're as immortal as you used to be. And things that you start hurting in places you didn't know you had places. And everything you hurt when you was a kid starts hurting when you get older. If you don't know that, wait till you get there, you'll know. I can tell you exactly everything I hurt my whole life. I can point to it, you know. Get out of bed, it lets itself know. The next way we can love her is love her gratefully. Say thank you. Man, what a concept. Man, isn't it amazing? A thank you. Two words that we can say that we need to teach our children to say, and we need to say often. I don't care. Sometimes we think, you know, we go to the restaurant and somebody brings us our food, and we think, well, they're getting paid to do this. Well, so what? Who cares if they are? Thank you. We need to get used to being showing gratitude towards people for everything they do, whether they get paid for it or not. It doesn't matter. And we need to say it to our kids. When they do what they tell them, when we told them to do, say, thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it that I didn't have to yell at you to get you to do something. Emphasize the things that the kids do and that our families do. My husband always says thank you for dinner. I don't care what it is that I fixed. I could sit a can of soup and a can opener, a bowl and a spoon on the table, and he'd open it, eat the can of soup, and say thank you. I know. I, he won. He does. <laughs> and some of the things he said thank you for, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, I wouldn't have. I've made some strange things in our life, and I remember one time I made, I don't know what it was, I was usually the out of leftovers or something, and I make making some leftovers or something, and I had everybody at the table and was eating it. And they was eating, and I come sit down, and I took one bite of it, and I, yeah, this is gross. I picked up everybody's plate and said, you're not eating this. <laughs> so, but he was he would have ate the whole thing. He wouldn't have said a word. He would have ate it <laughs> and said, thank you. And I'm thankful for that, that he's like that. Because, hey, you know, he could have fixed his own dinner. Yeah, isn't that right? Could have fixed your own dinner. If you don't say thank you, then, hey, maybe you'll be fixing your own dinner next time. <laughs> so we need to say thank you. Just two words that can change an environment in a home. Thank you. Tell your kids thank you. Tell your wife thank you. Tell your husband thank you. Man, what a, what a concept. Because when you're grateful or act like you're grateful, then it makes them want to do more for you, doesn't it? When, you, when somebody tells you thank you or I really appreciate that, doesn't that make you feel good inside that they really appreciated something that you did? And you don't mind doing it. It makes it easier to do the next time. So be, we need to love people gratefully. And we need to love them generously. Now, there's no way that we can ever repay what our parents have done for us, what our mothers have done for us, the things that they've sacrificed. I know that uh, the mothers usually, they do without, as long as the kids need something. That's just, and we don't think anything about it. That's the way it should be. And that's the way it was the whole time when you was growing up. Your mothers and fathers usually did without so that you could have something. And we need to love our, be gracious and grateful to our parents and show what we can do for them and within our, within, I don't mean you have to go out and go buy them things all the time because, you know, we can't afford to do that probably anyway. But when the opportunity presents itself, do something for them. You know, maybe it's take them out to dinner. Maybe it's buy them a car. Maybe it's bring them some flowers when there's not a reason to. You know, Mother's Day is a great day. You know, their birthday is a great day. Well, why not do it one day when there is no occasion? When you say, hey, Mom, I'm just thinking about you today, and I thought I wouldn't want to do this. Man, can you imagine how that'd make her feel, how special it'd be? Man, they'd be calling up the neighbor saying, my son brought me a flower today for no reason, or my son did this, or my daughter did this. Man, they brag about you. I remember when I was, when I was a baby, my mom uh, had a friend, and it, she couldn't do anything as good as, her, as, as this lady could. She was always talking about how much better she was than my grandma was. My mom told me this idea. And she was so excited because when my mom had twins, 
it was the one thing that her friend kid couldn't do. <laughs> so it was kind of exciting for that. But mothers, they brag on things like that. They love to brag on you, so give them something to brag about. They want to be able to do that. So love her generous. Be generous not only with your time, but the things that you can do. And the seventh thing that you can do to love your mom or your dad or your wife is love her honorably. Exodus 20, 12, I know we're familiar with these verses. It says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This is binding as long as your parents are alive. As long as your parents are alive we're, and you live under their roof, we're supposed to obey it. But honor is something that we're supposed to do irregardless. God doesn't ask, was your mother good to you or was your father good to you? just ask if they were your mother are they your father that's all that's required and you have to honor in Colossians 3.20 it says children obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing unto the Lord we obey our parents and we have to honor them and when do we honor them how do we honor them well honor you know kind of sometimes we don't really we kind of know what it means and yet we don't sometimes it means we respect them we respect them we show respect for them and how many kids in today's society don't respect their parents they walk all over them. I've been into kids, people's homes and the kids just walking all over them. I just want to get up and slap them across the face because they're so disrespectful to their parents. They're talking back to them. And I remember, oh, that's one thing my husband would not tolerate. My kids talk back to me. Man, he had them. And he didn't put up with that. But you will not talk to your mother like that, period. And so they learn. Men, you need to learn that. Make sure they learn it when they're young because then if they learn it when they're young, they don't have to deal with it when they get older. But we need to respect our parents. We don't have to obey them when we don't live under the roof anymore, but we have to respect them as long as they live. We have to respect them and honor them and show them the, the things that we need to show that they're special in our lives because they're our parents. And God isn't pleased. You can't be right with God and disrespect your parents. That's the reality. That's why Jesus spent so much, when he was on the cross, the last thing he did was take care of his mom. When God created mothers, he was in his sixth day of overtime. When an angel appeared and said, you're doing a lot of fiddling around on this one, the Lord replied, have you seen the specs on this order? She has to be completely washable, but not plastic. Have 180 movable parts, all replaceable. Run on black coffee and leftovers. Have a lap that disappears when she stands up. A kiss that could cure anything from a broken leg to a disappointing love affair, and six pair of hands. The angel shook her head slowly and said, Six pair of hands? No way. It's not the hands that are causing me my problems, said the Lord. It's the three pair of eyes that mothers have to have. One pair that sees through closed doors when she asks, What are you kids doing in there? when she already knows. Another in the back of her head that sees what she, what she shouldn't but what she needs to know. And of course, the ones in front and front that look at the child when he goofs up and says, I understand and I love you. Without so much as uttering a word, I'm so close to creating something so close to myself. Already I have one who heals herself when she is sick, can feed a family of six on one pound of hamburger and get a nine-year-old to stand under a shower. Not only can she think, she can reason and compromise. Finally, the angel bent over ran her finger across the cheek of the mother. There's a leak, she pronounced. I told you that you were trying to put too much into this model. That's not a leak, said the Lord. It's a tear. What's it for, asked the angel. The Lord replied, 
It's for joy, sadness, disappointment, pain, loneliness, and pride. You're a genius, shouted the angel. With a somber look on his face, the Lord replied, I didn't put it there. Mothers have so much of a job they need to do, and we need to appreciate what they do for us, and we need to love them. We need to love them by saying the words, and we need to show how much we love them. On the special occasions, but on those times when, for no other reason, to show that we love them, whether it's you and your wives and our kids, we need to make sure that we do that. Let's pray. Our first, our Father.